podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello there and welcome to the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Craig Telfer and on this occasion I am joined by my close associate, Sean McGuigan. Hello there. And you know what happens when Sean McGuigan and I get together, the Balkan skull of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. That is right, we are talking all things lower leagues. You know the format by now, we're going to look at one game from the Championship, one game from League One and one game from League Two and we're going to discuss it in depth. There might be a degree of knowledge. There might be a degree of things that we've read in Pie and Bovril. <laughs> that's, that's for you to find out what's our opinion and what we've taken from elsewhere. Uh, just check in with you, Sean. How's everything going? I, I'm, I'm very well. Do you know something? I was, uh, I'm, I'm very well now. I was, uh, I was concerned earlier because uh, due to Rupert Murdoch having a, a dreadful broadband uh, system, I have been without Wi-Fi for a, a lot of today, and I was concerned that I was not going to be able to talk about Mr. Peter Grant. However, it was restored at approximately 2.45, and I am delighted a- about that. That's good. That's Rupert Murdoch, doesn't he? He's got one hand in your tit, one hand in your wallet, doesn't he? Like, Sky really are taking me to the cleaners. I feel like I feel like a bully and in fact, I feel like Urwilly and Sky are the bullies. They effectively just got me by the ankles and they're shaking money out of my pockets. I mean, I've just upgraded to BT Sports so I can watch the Celtic and Rangers games tonight. My, my big teams before anyone makes the jokes uh, at home. Oh, you can't really support Stennis Muir. Who do you really support? Uh, I'll give you a clue. It's Rangers and Celtic. You know, just uh, hedge your bets. I've actually met someone who uh, a couple of nights ago who I told him was a Stennis Muir fan, and, and there's a sort of sense of does not compute. Do you find that <laughs> whenever you tell them that you're you're not a fan of Rangers Celtic, does not compute? If they're playing each other, though, who, who do you cheer on? And I said, well, whoever's furthest behind in the league. If, if they're not playing... I, uh, I, I, I once went to the toilet in a pub in Glasgow, and there was no toilet roll. So I shouted out to the person next to me, is there any chance you could pass me some toilet roll? And he refused to pass me the toilet roll unless I I told him what football club I supported. Okay. So when I said Wraith Rovers, he went, no, really, what football team do you support? <laughs> I mean, listen, I, I really just want some toilet roll. Then I actually could pass some toilet roll. And he goes, no, seriously, like, who do you really support? Celtic or Rangers? And I, I said, listen, I, I, I'm in some desperate need of some toilet roll. And if I, if I can't get some, I'm going to have to come out and wipe my bum on yourself. And he went, all right, all right, calm down. And he gave me some toilet roll. But that's that, that's Glasgow for you. That's the West Coast. You know what you should have done, Sean? You should have said, fuck you and wiped your ass with a sock. Uh, and, and other news, you are now, you're now uncle, Craig G. Telfer. That's, that's yeah. good. Congratulations. That is. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I have never known a love like it. Uh, my my brother and his, his, his girlfriend, they, they, I say they both gave birth. They didn't. There was only one person really involved with the birthing process. But they've had a, a wee girl and I got to meet her for the first time on Tuesday night and proper uh, heartbreaking stuff. I cried when I saw her. I've got tears in my eyes actually thinking about her just now. She's just tiny and she's beautiful and she's gorgeous. And it's 
I very, very happy for them both. And we don't have kids in the family. Uh, this is so, so that the wee girl's the, the the first one, and it's it's all very, very exciting. Uh, my mum and stepdad were down at my flat. They're, they're, we can talk about the flat just shortly and give you an update on the progress of that. Um, <laughs> so it's just amazing. It, it, it's just amazing. Um, and yeah, how, um, how is how is how is Ted the dog? Uh, adapting to this new this new dynamic Ted well, when I was down on Tuesday Ted this for, for people who don't know it's my brother's dog he's a wee Shetland sheepdog he's gorgeous he's, he's, he's a be- beautiful little dog he when I was down there he's got a ball on a on a string or, or a piece of rope and he's basically swinging that around the whole time just uh, there's, they've got cards they've got loads of cards down on the mantelpiece where people have obviously got in touch to say, well done, you've had a baby. Um, a lot of people saying, well done to my brother. For, for a long time, we thought my brother's seed was spoiled. So it's, it's good to know that, that he's he's proved us all wrong. But there was cards here and Ted was swinging the ball around and he was knocking over the cards and he's, he's a funny wee dog and I think he's, he's, uh, he's, he's growing to become quite protective of uh, of his of his of his little sister, so very very sweet, very very sweet. So it's a good um, good good family, good family associated stuff at the moment. So yeah, all all very good. Good, well that's lovely. And uh, and 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 what about the flat? What is the latest? I mean, flat you're still sitting on the floor. I see. <laughs> You've been sitting on the floor. <laughs> You've been sitting on the floor for months. I have been in this flat, Sean, for nearly <laughs> two months. And yeah, it's it's just uh, bad bad luck. I'd. Uh, I was supposed to get a carpet delivered for the bedroom uh, and it was held up uh, by a combination of Brexit and incompetence. So I, the good news is I'm getting it fitted for free, which is which is good because uh, I, I just like a lack of communication on what's happening there. Um, but no, no so far. The flooring's going down a, a week today. So that's something to get excited about. But as I tell you, there's no sofa, but they did send me the cushions. You can People at home can't see them, but I'm showing Sean the cushions. They're nice. They're, they're nice cushions. I mean, they're, they're, there's bright sunlight. Uh, there's bright sunlight in, in your room and my room, but they look kind of, is that, that kind of golden colour? They're certain, yeah, they're certainly that's shimmering. What, yes, that's what I'm going for. I'm sort of golden, pale blue and grey is the, the colour scheme and in, in, in here. You know, actually, Sean, what we should have done at the very... Gold, pale blue and grey? Yeah. Do, 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 those, do those three colours go? Well, once the couch is here, you can come in and fucking see for yourself. <laughs> You know what we should have done is, is people who will listen to the show, I, I've started listening to the terrace, I've started listening to Craig Fowler's X-Rable Manscaped adverts, and I can't pass the 30-second skip button quite quick enough. So people will keep on pressing it. They'll be, be like putting holes in their phones 18 minutes into the podcast. When are they going to start talking about the football instead of talking about Craig Telfer's haphazard uh, home life? <laughs> Um, see, speaking of adverts, I, I don't know if you saw it, but obviously the great Norm Macdonald passed away earlier in the week, and it's, it's an absolute tragedy because he's a very, very, very funny guy. I only really got into him sort of like in the last the last couple of years. But do you did you see the video clip for, for Man Great? I've I've watched that. So so I was not very familiar <laughs> with Norm, and I've only really become unfortunately I've only really become familiar with him since he passed away because of all the clips that have been posted on Twitter. But that man great clip I have watched five times and I am absolutely buckled at it. It, it was the fact that it was the fact that they withdrew their sponsor. It was the only sponsor, <laughs> the only sponsor they had, and they withdrew their sponsorship because of how he read uh, their, their name out and how he essentially associated themselves. <laughs> I was asking people if their if their if their dad had died. <laughs> is your, your mum dead? <laughs> 
Are any of your family fucking alive? <laughs> very, very funny stuff. And when I was when I saw that they, they withdrew, I was thinking about Manscaped and I was thinking about Beer 52 and I was thinking about JNS decorators and all the people who have associated themselves with the terrace over the last however, however many years it's been going. But no, we've I, not I, done- I, I also did not know that uh, non McDonald was the uh, all the stars. All the stars. Oh, I didn't know that that was him. I, for a wee while, I thought it was Meatloaf. There's right. From a distance, there's certain similarities there. Uh, but I realise now it was, uh, it was in fact, Norm MacDonald. Yeah, show a bit of respect, Sean. The guy's not even cold in the ground. Yeah, and you're already poking fun of the fact he looks like uh, Meatloaf. But yeah, that All the Stars clip is absolutely hilarious. Always great every time Falkirk Football Club, uh, a new transfer window, just post that video. But uh, any time, in fact, any time that, that your football team, just even this, the, 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 a screenshot of him with a microphone <laughs> reading, <laughs> reading off a bit of paper. Aye, very, very funny. But, but that, ma- that man great, <laughs> that man great clip. It's a bit as Nick Swardston. They're talking about um, like steak and chicken, and he just spits out. <laughs> oh, oh, very funny. But here we are, Sean. I don't know how long we've been recording for, but I'm sure that's a good uh, nine minutes. People at yeah, home will be like, let's get to the fucking football. Do you want, do you actually want to talk about football and just want to have this as a, a podcast where we just, just chat about things instead? What, what do you want to do? I'm not fussed. I mean, I, I'm here to talk about Peter Grant, but... If you want to talk about cushions or babies or dogs awesome. or Norm MacDonald or, or anything, anything, I am I am here. When you encounter someone with a heady mix of arrogance, self-delusion and gigantism, such as Mr. Peter Grant, I think it would be remiss of us to, to talk about interior decorated and not talk about that. So that segues very nicely on to our first match. This is Air United 3, Dunfermline Athletic 1, where Dun... I mean, we don't really want to talk about Air United, let's, let's be honest. No, there'll be a token gesture in this yes. entire conversation. Uh, this was a match between two sides who have made absolutely dreadful starts to the season, but at least one of them had the foresight to bin off their manager before things got worse. Uh, yeah, two goals from... Just trying to my notes here. Yeah. Tommy Adeloy. Thank you very much. Two goals from Tommy Adloy and uh, a well-taken finish from Cammy Salkeld gave Air United a 3-1 win over the Pars. This was, like we said, this was two really, really poor sides, but judging by the highlights, other than a little spell after Air United's first goal were done, Fairland did have their chances to come back into the match. Very, very straightforward for, for Air United. But before we talk about the match, let's talk about Mr. Peter Grant, because earlier in the week, he has had to dismiss rumours that he's that he'll step down from the club. They've got a very tough-looking game against Inverness, Caledonia and Thistle up at the weekend, which could see them fall even further behind at the bottom of the, the championship. But, Sean, what have you made of Mr. Peter Grant start his life at East End Park? I, I, I kind of get them... It feels like... It very much feels like when Wraith Rovers appointed Gary Locke. And, and what I mean by that is, it feels like it was easily avoidable. <laughs> like when when Wraith appoint when there was a rumor that Wraith were going to appoint Gary Look, I was like, right, well, and, like, it made me laugh because I was like, well, that can't possibly happen because there is nothing in Gary Look's managerial career that surely anybody on the Wraith Rovers board could possibly point to and say, yes, this is the man to take us forward. And it kind of felt like that with Peter Grant as well. Like yeah, there is nothing. And I know he's I know he's mentioned his CV. I know he has said that he doesn't bother to to enter a CV because his CV would blow everybody else out of the water. 
Now, I'm guessing he's including his coaching, that the clubs that he's coached at on that. Because in terms of what he's done from a managerial point of view, you have to go back to the 2006-ish, maybe, when he was the Norwich manager. So he was manager between 2006, 2007, didn't do well at all. He then wasn't a manager again until he became the Aloha manager. He was relegated with them last term. So from a managerial point of view, he's he's done nothing to suggest that he was going to take uh, Dunfermline forward. And I, I appreciate that there is this theory that he played a nice style of football at Aloha, that they played decent football. Uh, and that, like, I remember John McGlynn saying towards the end of last season that Aloha might be the best team ever to get relegated for the championship. And, I, and, and don't get me wrong, it's not as if I went back and checked, but I, I find that quite an odd kind of odd position to take because let's face it, that wasn't a championship that had, remember like a championship that had like Rangers and Hibs and yes. Hearts in it. Like yes. that, was, that was an exceptionally good championship by championship standards. Last season championship wasn't good. There wasn't a high standard at all. There was a lot of rubbish teams in it. But despite that, Aloha were the worst of the worst and Peter Grant was in charge of the Aloha team, who were the worst of the worst. So it's all very well saying, when they played a decent style of football and they tried to build for the back and they had a passing style and it was pleasing on the eye. Like, they won five games. They won five games all of last season. And the fact that he was given a, a, a Dunfermline managerial position, and again, this this might be the best time for, for anybody to get out of the championship because there isn't a Hearts in it or a Hibs or a Dundee United this, this felt like a good season for Dunfermline to, to, to build on last season. And don't get me wrong, I don't, I don't think Stevie Crawford done a good job at Dunfermline. However, they still finished fourth. Like, they weren't a million miles away from, from a couple of teams in front of them. So yeah. you, you kind of looked at that score and say, right, you need a better goalkeeper. You need to plug some gaps here and there. But all you need to do is, is build on what you already have. And it, it doesn't feel like he's done that. No, Peter Grant and, and, took a very unique approach. Instead of building on it, he seems to have made things worse. <laughs> but but I, I don't know if he's made things worse squad-wise. I still think Dunfermline have a squad, oh, but they should definitely be much better than, than, than 10th in the Championship. But what I do think is interesting with Peter Grant is, and I, I could be totally wide of the mark here, I mean, what, what do I know about football dressing rooms? But it's pretty rare for me to read a Peter Grant interview or listen to a Peter Grant interview and not at least hear or read a couple of comments that, that makes me laugh yeah. or, or makes me think that that sounds rubbish. And and every time, rightly or wrongly, every time I see that, I generally think right, that he's coming across as quite pathetic or quite laughable. So with that being the case, can he possibly be getting respect in the dressing room? And, mm-hmm. and again, I could be totally wide of the mark. But I have seen an interview with, with Paul Watson a couple of weeks ago, and I, I can't remember what Paul Watson was saying exactly, but it, it did not give me the impression that the players were were behind Peter Grant. Mm-hmm. And I don't see, and I, I know it's early, I know it's early in the season, they've played four games because that game was abandoned at Starts Park. And that feels very early to sack a manager. But I don't know if there's too many examples where a club finds themselves in this position and that and, and a, or certainly a manager finds themselves in this position and he is able to dig himself out. So so yes, I, I appreciate and I, I, I realise why the fellow might not be sacking him at this moment in time. But I, I, I don't see Peter Grant being able to 
to, to get out of this hole. You know, quite, quite interesting, Sean, because I, when I was looking at the, school, the, the, the opprobrium I mean, that's levelled at Peter Grant, you go on social media, go on Pine Bovril, and, and the, the comments about Peter Grant are uniformly negative. There's not even a couple of people perhaps sticking up for him. I would say broadly, very broadly, very thickly, that, that Dunfermline supporters want Peter Grant going. I was thinking about, like, let's talk about Stenhouse Muir. Let's talk about Stephen Swift, for instance, <laughs> who had a, who had a really poor start to, to his time at Stenhouse Muir. You know, picked up two points from five games. What you would say about, I mean, having watched like like most of the games, having what what you would say is that a lot of the time with Stenhouse Muir, the defeats or the the games where they didn't win, those were narrow. You could. There's a lot of problems with the Stenhouse Muir team. There's there's a lot of problems with with, with the squad in terms of it's the way it's been put together and and the, the 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 lack of balance. But at least they were unlucky. It was fine margins that that you were seeing there. And you think, well, perhaps all the team needs is just a, a really shit win, and that's the sort of thing they can use as a platform. And I think Stenhouse Muir got that against an Athletic. What I've seen from from Peter Grant, however, I am not seeing any signs. That, that is turned around and it seems to be getting worse from the how poorly they played against Partick Fist well that was a game that, that I think that was the last time you and I would have spoken about Dunfermline was that was how poorly they played against Thistle dreadful against Arbroath and Arbroath are a really good side I, I'm not surprised that Arbroath is doing as well as they are because how many like if you were to compare squads from about outside of Kilmarnock and, and Cali Thistle really how many of those Arbroath players would walk into other teams in the championship you'd probably say most of them really, yeah, yeah a number players, really good players at Arbroath regardless of the part-time status but like it, it, I'm not seeing anything at all from, from Dunfermline and this game against Air United really summed up a lot of their shortcomings a formation that that doesn't really suit them that that's perhaps the manager seems a wee bit wedded to he's a bit stubborn to change continually playing underperforming personnel to the detriment of the team uh, senior players perhaps not pulling their weight and, and letting the side down and it really does seem a, a real end of days all even at this stage of the season that does seem quite ridiculous to say after four games but we're not really seeing anything from, from this Dunfermline side to suggest that they can they can get out of this tailspin they've got good players on paper I'm not seeing any evidence of it in the pitch no but 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 the thing is as you say as it has uh, like why is he wedded to this formation because it doesn't necessarily feel like he has the squad that, that suits no. this formation. Like if you bring in somebody like Kai Kennedy, for example, so I am not, I, I wasn't quite as sold on Kai Kennedy as, as maybe some other people was. I, I know and my nice fans rated him uh, and, and he was okay for us, but I don't think he's quite, I, I don't think he's a superstar at championship level as as maybe some other people would have you believe. But regardless, you, you, you bring him in on loan and John McGlynn said in an interview, I can't remember if it was the end of last season, probably beginning of this season. And he was asked about loan signings and he said that Kai Kennedy was a very expensive loan signing for, for Ray. So they had to stump up a, a good bit of cash for him. So presumably Dunfermline are in the exact same position. But he is a, a, a wide midfielder. But Dunfermline went with this 3-5-2 formation. So, so where does Kai Kennedy... Like, where does Kai Kennedy play within that? Because they're, they're yeah. playing with wing-backs. So Kai Kennedy can't play as a, a wing-back or certainly hasn't been brought in to play as a wing-back. He isn't playing centrally. So so why have you... It feels like a weird approach to, to, to kind of squad building. And then 
I think Nikolai Todorov was was a, was a decent signing as a forward. But you look at the players who were on the bench on Saturday, and so Kai Kennedy was on the bench, but in a formation that, that doesn't suit him at all. Craig White, as much as Dunfermline weren't great last season, they did finish in the promotion playoffs, uh, but probably, probably certainly the best forward, if if not one of their best players, was Craig White. He's struggling to get a start at, mm-hmm. at this moment in time. Dom Thomas is quite an interesting. Uh, yeah, of so, so, so Thomas, and again, I know we uh, we sometimes play devil's advocate when it comes to to, to Dom Thomas. We know he is uh, limited. However, he has proven time and time again that certainly at championship level, he can perform. He can beat a man. He can make a difference. And I don't think his work rate is necessarily the the, the greatest. But Peter Grant has said that he uh, wasn't working hard enough and that's why he's not getting a game. And and he's always kind of hanging the, the, the team out to dry. His his quotes post-games are questionable. I remember after the Rangers game, I mean, that Rangers game, I, I can't, was it 5-0, 6-0? I can't remember the full day score. It could have been more. But afterwards, Peter Grant said, well, we could have, we could have had two or three goals uh, of our own. No, no, you couldn't. Like, no, you couldn't. You, you barely touched the ball. You certainly didn't trouble Rangers' backline. And it feels like at, at points that he is... He's, he's trying to stick up for himself, I suppose. He's trying to uh, he's trying to defend himself. But I suppose when you go into a, a, a job and you are so confident in your own ability and confident in terms of what you will bring to the job and you talk about winning the league... And you talk about winning cups. I mean, he was talking about, well, we wouldn't enter cups if we didn't want to win them. Like, he, he comes across as so confident and the bottom of the league. And he yeah. he's very much made a rod for his own back. And uh, it felt like a poor appointment. Uh, and it is very much going that way. And I suppose nothing, nothing sticks out more than his... Uh, Week in, week out, playing Ross Graham. That's at, just ten and a half. Yeah, that's just what I was about to come on to, Sean. It's like I, watching the highlights from their United game. I it, it went from it went from from sort of laughing at Ross Graham's performance to actually being like, this sorry is, for it. I, I, I feel I feel sorry for him. This is and a I don't because it's not. Like a, He's a yeah. young boy. He's about what, yep. 20, 21 years old. Yep. He's not playing well at the moment. So it's not for the, uh, you're, you're, by him being in there, it's detrimental to him as a player, detrimental to him, probably him as, as well being, and detrimental to the team as well. So I don't understand why he's continually playing because he was sort of like directly responsible for all three goals. Yeah, yeah all three. So I think, uh, I think Adeloy got maybe like a yard on him at the first yeah. goal. I think, Cameron Salkeld just kind of ran past him to nod home at the second goal. He was then, I mean, I don't, I don't think Owen Fon Williams should have given him the ball no. uh, kind of, uh, for, for the third goal, but I, he, was, he was just bullied off it for, for the third goal. But Ross Graham has, has pretty much been playing like that all season. Like almost from week one, he has been, he, he, has, he has put in performances and given away goals that suggest that he isn't ready for this standard of football. Mm-hmm. So I, I I agree with what you're saying. You, you don't necessarily want to criticise Ross Graham because he's been asked to do something that, from what it appears, he isn't actually capable of doing. But Peter Grant is playing him week in, week out. And it, it feels like there's probably better centre-halves 
on their firmless bench. And, and I think Peter Grant is of the opinion that, that Graham is the the player back three, so they need a football playing uh, central defender, and Ross Graham might be that. I mean, if he can play out, fine. But if you're going to give away three goals a game, that's not really it's not really worthwhile. I mean, he needs to he needs to change things desperately. But the the, the kind of Ross Graham question is a is a is a weird weird thing, and he, he needs to for for Ross Graham's own uh, well being, he needs to take him out the firing line. Yeah, def- definitely, definitely, because it's like we say, it's not good for him. It must be difficult because if you're playing at the... I think if you're at Somerset Park, particularly if you're playing, the Dunfermline fans will have been in behind the goals. Yep. So you might have heard some of the shouts that, that, that were coming in when he, when he let go of Adeloy and when Salkeld beat him in there. And what I found quite interesting, I don't know if you noticed, but Salkeld's celebration, he was slapping his forehead. And I, I, I got the impression I got from that was he perhaps couldn't believe it that he actually was got in to, to score a header which says a lot about uh, Salkild's aerial prowess and, and says a lot about uh, Graham's uh, mar- marking abilities. So, so yeah, it's perhaps the, the, the best that he's taken out. But we're, we're talking about a young player there. What about more experienced player like Graham Dorans? Because I, I'm not 100% sure if this is true or not, but he swore at fans at one point during the game. Am I right in saying that? Uh, there, there was a tweet. that I haven't seen it. I've watched both sets of highlights. There was a tweet that suggested that when he was given, he was being given a hard time as he walked off, and he told supporters to fuck off while giving him the wanker sign. However, I, I, I do not know if that's if that was the case, but it was uh, tweeted by a Dunfermline fan. However, I do like the story, and as is always the case in this scenario, because I like the story, I will just believe it anyway. That's that's that. Listen, that's fine. In this day and age of disinformation, just believing it makes it enough for me, Sean. <laughs> we'll, we'll, well, let's we'll talk about the talk about the goals themselves because that that they're, they're quite interesting. I thought the the, the 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 first goal was just really poor from from Dunfermline. And I'm saying this from back to the front because the, the move started down the um, Air United's left hand side. It was uh, Paddy Redding played the ball into Dara O'Connor, and I know that's a check. That's the correct pronunciation. I have an associate who comes from the Emerald Isle and I sent her a message and said, can you tell me... Is it me- Dara O'Connor? No, it's Conacher. It's Dara O'Connor. Right, okay. Listen, mate, if you want... I know that the, the Terrace have got a massive listenership over in the Republic. So <laughs> if you want to get your head kicked in there for mispronunciation of Daryl Conacher, then you will continue the way you're going. Anyway, he carries the ball down left and he's been marked by Leon Jones. Leon Jones looked like he was... Nowhere near him. Nowhere near him. And there was as much as... Uh, and I agree with uh, how poor Ross Graham was and he absolutely was at, at, at fault for... Uh, certainly partially at fault <laughs> for three of the goals. But for a couple of goals, Leon Jones gets nowhere near closing down the the, the wide player. And as you say, he was at, at fault there. It, it just, at, at points, Dunfermline feel like they are kind of at walking pace. Like yeah. there's no, there's no, uh, they certainly don't close down where they need to close down. Uh, I, I, I'm not saying they've downed tools, but they, they they don't defend with a, a kind of ferocity or passion that they, that they need to. No, Leon Jones reminded me, I remember once playing five-a-side football and we were short in numbers, so someone's dad came along. And... <laughs> 
he played like someone's dad where he was just very, very slow and you could just sort of kick the ball past him and, and run. I mean, I'm not I'm, I'm a terrible football player. I have absolutely no technique or, or skill whatsoever. I just kicked the ball past him and ran and he couldn't catch me because, because his bones weren't strong enough to maintain the challenge. Leon Jones's bones didn't look like they were strong enough to maintain the challenge. It was very easy for, for O'Connor to, to get by. I mean, it was a good finish by uh, Adloy. You know, he got the yards on, on Ross Graham, but he did well to open up his foot and, and, and steer it into the net. After that goal, however, there did seem to be a, a positive period to play for Dunfermline. Todorov should have equalised. He, he found himself in space, headed the ball straight at Charlie Albinson. Another couple of chances that, that, that went begging. But then, if you don't capitalise when, when you're on top, you get punished for it. And that's exactly what happened. Because, again, Reading and O'Connor combined down the right. And it was Reading. The, the cross that was put in, it was a... I'm not sure if it was a good cross or not. Because it was one of those that's hanging up in there. You're perhaps expecting Owen for Williams to come out and gather it, the, 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 the amount of time that's in there. Uh, can, can, well, well let, me, let me correct you there. You, you would possibly expect a goalkeeper to, to come and claim it there. I, I don't know if I would expect Owen von Williams to come out and collect it there. But but yes, yeah, I, I appreciate where you're coming from. Yes, and, and it's very easy for Salkel to to get in and, and head. I mean, like, I'm, I don't think Cammy Salkel's a particularly fantastic footballer. He's obviously a, a strapping young man. He, he keeps himself very fit and he's he's got a good engine and a good attitude. But a, 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 a technical player... He, he, he is not. And I think just allowing him to, to just get in, get in front and, and just let the ball hit off him almost and, and, and go into it. There's another uh, failure of, of Graham. At that point, uh, you can very much hear it on the, the Dunfermline highlights here. Granty, get to fuck. Granty, Granty, get to fuck. Uh, and then after that, of course, Todorov pulls one back. Although I think that Charlie Albinson can count himself very unlucky because he does really well to save the initial effort, Todorov hits it again and Albinson pushes it onto the post. However, it kisses the inside of the post and rolls into the line. And then the, after that, Sean, the, I, what I want you to do, I, I mean, if, if people haven't seen this goal, I want you to give me a detailed breakdown of Air United's third goal. What happened here? How and why did this goal happen? Uh, so... The ball was passed out by Owen Fawn Williams mm -hmm. to Ross Graham, mm -hmm. who didn't really want it in his position. Mm -hmm. to be position? Fair, his position was inside the six-yard box. <laughs> his, his position was on the park. <laughs> <laughs> but, but to be fair, he, he did have an Air United forward and reasonably, uh, reasonably close to him. So he probably didn't want that there. I, I do have some sympathy for him. However, he was just... He was just bullied off it, like literally brushed aside. The, the ball was then squared into the area and Adeloy kind of got it to his feet and had his back to goal. Owen Fawn Williams kind of slid out on his knees, but, but did nothing. Adeloy then just spun and took him out of the game and then just essentially slotted it into the empty net. It was, it was dreadful. I mean, literally from nothing, from, from Dunfermline having possession, from the own goal kick, Within five seconds, they were three one down. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely dreadful goal. And I think that I, I've got a big degree of sympathy for, for for Ross Graham there in that instance because that was a ball that 
he did not want, and I don't think he should have been passed in, in that area. I mean, like you say, he was must have been about 12 yards from his own goal. I mean, great hustle from, from Stephen Bradley to, to pick pick it off him. And again, good from Adeloy. Read it very, very well and just effectively just changed his body shape by 90 degrees <laughs> to, to run across himself before he, before he finished. But I, I suppose we're talking a lot about Dunfermline here, Sean, but anything to say about Air United? Of course, David Hopkins stepped down midweek after the 2-0 defeat at Air United. You, of course, watched that game prior to Scotland's win over Austria. What did you think of Air United's performance in that match? And did you see anything from that game to suggest that they could get the win against the Pars? I honestly, I thought against Wraith, they were dreadful. So I don't think they fashioned a chance worthy of its name against the Rovers in, in those 90 minutes. And it, and I was a wee bit worried about, in terms of how Wraith are going to go this season, bear in mind they, so they, so they drew with Hamilton, chucked away a four-goal lead, lost to Inverness, who they always lose against. And I was like, well, how, how good are Wraith this season? It's difficult to, to kind of ascertain. And then that midweek game, I was like, right, well, we are significantly better than Air United. So that gives me a wee bit confidence that maybe mid-table is where we're going to be this season. So that's no great, but it's fine. Uh, I think Hopkin uh, moving on is is good for them. Yes. I think I'm still a wee bit, well, no worried, but I, I think looking at Air United's team, I'm still, I'm still not entirely certain that it's a particularly good squad. I think Air United fans... Might, some of the United fans might, might disagree and I suppose a bigger concern would be when we looked at the start of the season I thought the teams that might be in trouble in the Championship would be our growth they've already got 10 points uh, I mean I mean, Joe and, I mean generally when we speak about our growth in seasons well, sorry, did, did you think our growth would be in trouble this season? I thought they might have done oh, the only part, no, the only no. part-time team in that league. I, oh, I thought they might have been. Okay. It's nothing to do with being part-time. I think you've got fundamentally good players there that that are better than than a lot of the guys that like say Morton or or, or um, Air United, for instance. Well, 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 that's just that. So, so if you look at so yes, I thought Arbroath would would struggle. I thought Morton would struggle. I thought Queen of South uh, might struggle. Queen of South looked pretty decent to me on Saturday at, at Starts Park. They, they deserved their three points. Our growth have, have been excellent. So as much as Air United uh, were very much an improvement on Saturday, and I, I don't know if they're going to go going to go down the, the the Jim Duffy route, I still think from a, a squad perspective, they still might have one of the poorer ones in the championship. So yes, as much as they looked considerably better than Duffy on Saturday, I still I would still worry about how how well they will do this season. I think it's quite interesting about David Hopkin. I think what we've seen now from him, that's his past three managerial roles in that he's left in ignominy. Huge success at Livingston, obviously, but poor at Bradford, poor at Morton, left them in a, a bit of a... <laughs> with a, a very unbalanced squad of players. What do you have? Something like one goalkeeper and 10 defenders. Something, something ridiculous like that. I think, it was, I think it was like, I think it was like ten. Uh, there's no like ten midfielders or some ten centre midfielders. Yes. I can't remember. But his, there was a. I did read something about David Hopkin and his time at Livingston. And so obviously there's this theory that David Martindale yes. was, was the key to his success at Livingston, and, I, and that's probably right. There's every chance that that's right. But what the suggestion was that David Martindale was in charge of signings at Livingston 
And so David Hopkin has a, he, he very much has a, a theory about how he wants his sides to play. Uh, he's pretty direct. He's pretty route one. And at Livingston, he had David Martindale, who was signing players that very much fitted his way of, of working. And since then, he hasn't had Martindale. And he still wants to play that way, but he doesn't have somebody who is able to go out and actually sign players who fits his his, his his system and his style of play. Now, that is very much a failing of, of David Hopkin. But regardless, I, I, I do think this might be the last time we... I'd be surprised if we see Hopkin back as a as a manager in in, in football at, at any level. Yeah, you'd be you'd be surprised. I can't imagine if he still wants to play full time. If he still wants to be a full time manager in Scotland, is the 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 pool of teams that he can go to is 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 quite limited. And I think that there, there wasn't a lot of fanfare of him going to United. Certainly, that judging by again the online reaction, if you were to use that as a barometer, at very best you'd say indifferent. And worst, hostile towards his appointment. It it hasn't worked out for him. Uh, They certainly look a lot better without him. I'm not sure if Jim Duffy is a a route that they'd uh, want to go. And we'll talk about Dumbarton later on and and how they look a completely different team since casting the shackles of Duffy Ball off once (laughs) and for all. But I mean, if you're going to say like Jim Duffy's done very well in his first two matches, you know that's a huge win over Dunfermline Athletic, and they beat Rangers as Kitty's team in midweek. Albeit that result is going to be looked into because they played two young regens at the end. I think they had been on loan, and I think it was Gervin and West of Scotland League. Yeah, in the West of Scotland League, and there was there was some dubiety over their eligibility for, for for this match. So certainly on on the balance so far, no putting that the 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 that to one side, certainly made a positive start. But I think that I'd be I, I, Jim Duffy's perhaps not a manager I'd want to not or I'd want to go down if I was an Air United supporter. No, but he has. Uh, he, I think he's hinted that there's life in the old dog yet. So it might be that he is, because I wonder if he would even be interested in it, but I think he might be. Uh, I believe, so I think it's David Smith, mm-hmm. who is the, the, the chairman at AIR. He suggested on a podcast, because I think a lot of AIR fans, or a number of AIR fans would like uh, John Hughes to, to be appointed, obviously an ex, an ex-AIR player. I think David Smith suggested that, that John Hughes wouldn't be, wouldn't be getting appointed. And there would be a, a kind of rigorous uh, recruitment process put in place, but then I suppose it depends how much money is is is, is available at air. I mean, Jim Duffy is already on the payroll; he's already won his first two games. If they win again in the next game or whatever, then then perhaps it makes maybe it makes sense to give Jim Duffy a, even even a short term contract. Uh, I, I don't know, but we'll see. Before we move on, Sean, there's a social media campaign about Dunfermline playing Cali Thistle at the weekend. In the fourth minute, a group of supporters suggested they do a mass walkout. I'm intrigued to know your thoughts about this. My own saying, why on earth would you want to walk out four minutes into a game? Why not hang on another 10 minutes when most people are in the grounds in in City? What's your thoughts on this? So uh, they've chosen the fourth minute because it is Nori Mc- it was Nori McCarthy's uh, shirt number. So so I, I understand that. However, I uh, there'll, there'll probably be people who aren't in the ground after four yeah. minutes. I would I would I would have left it like even if you get to let's say you left at half an hour, right? So half an hour, and then let's say you have goodness knows 
2,200 people in the stadium. And then even if 150 people walk out after half an hour, that is going to make, that is a, a noticeable uh, protest. Leaving after four minutes, when people are still trying to find their seat or still trying to get into the stadium, uh, it doesn't feel like it'll make quite the mark that they they, they want it to. Yeah, I, I, I'm curious for I mean, Obviously, Nonny McCarthy is a, a hugely popular figure at Dunfermline Athletic, but what does what does he have to do with Peter Grant? Uh, I, I I I don't know nothing, presumably. Okay. okay, if the people behind that social media campaign are listening, hang on ten minutes. Just that's. <laughs> That's bad. That's my advice. If you want to walk out, hang on ten minutes when everyone's in the ground and everyone's uh, had a seat. Not <laughs> passing people on, on, on the way in. There's a there's a bottleneck at the stands because some people are leaving just as others are coming in. It'll look messy. It'll look hopeless. Uh, or just hang outside the ground and and, and sing if, if you want to. If you want to make a protest. I I, I don't know. Listen, I've never I've never protested a football ground at myself. Uh, I prefer to be a bit of a, a keyboard warrior and just uh, tweet about my uh, unhappiness and my problems there. But nevertheless, Sean, we'll, we'll drop down from the Championship into League One, and let's talk about a match that saw five set pieces and five goals, where Dumbarton beat East Fife. yes, that's right, 5-0, courtesy of goals from Ross McLean, a brace from Gary Buchanan, one from Ryan McGeever, and one from Owen Stokes. Uh, to maintain their pretty decent start to the season. East Fife under Darren Young really haven't found their mojo yet. They had a good result against Peterhead last week, but they did not capitalise on it. And set pieces, which has apparently been a problem throughout Young's entire tenure at Bayview, came back to haunt them. I I don't know if I've seen a game. I mean, maybe I have. I, I don't remember watching a game where there was five goals in it and every single one looked exactly the same as, as the one previous. It was it was extraordinary. And and you're right, there has been uh, East Five fans have, have complained about how they defend from corners and, and set pieces for a while, but Saturday felt like a real kind of nadir uh, for them. And and I think you know and I think Dan Young probably has uh player has ambitions higher than East Five. I, I suspect you know, he's, it's all very well kind of uh, saying that they've missed out in the playoffs, the promotion playoffs in the last few years in, in, in League One. But I don't really remember an East Fife team that has so consistently challenged at that, that like in terms of the upper level of the third mm-hmm. tier. When you when you put what he has achieved at East Fife in context, yes, they've, they've had a, a couple of embarrassing Scottish Cup exits, but to be challenging for promotion to the championship two, three years in a row, I think, that's pretty unusual for East Fife. So actually, Dan Young has done a good job. The problem is, in terms of that summer there, there's been players moved on, and I don't know if it is a, if it's something to do with the budget. But I don't feel like he has either he has or been able to bring in players that can replace who's left. So I think especially especially goalkeeper wise. So I think East Fife were in an unusual position in League One where they had two pretty decent League One goalkeepers. Like I thought Brett Long was a very good goalkeeper and I thought Jordan Hart was decent for that level. They've, they've both backup, left. Capable backup. Yeah, they've, they've both left. Scott Gallagher's come in. I don't know if he's as good as those as, as those two. Uh, when Scott Agnew left, 
over the summer. I thought for East Fife that might be not necessarily the worst news. And I know that sounds like a, a strange thing to say, but I'd, with the greatest one in the world, Scott Agnew's best years are behind him. He was probably on he's yeah. probably on decent money. And you thought, right, well, if East Fife can replace him, then then maybe they can kick on and, and maybe that isn't that isn't going to blow a massive hole into our squad. They they haven't been able to replace him. And of course, what has probably hit them harder than, than anything else. Mark McGuigan was signed, and mm-hmm. I think we both felt that was a decent signing. Yep. He he then left before the season began. Ryan Wallace has has left the club uh, as well. And it feels like they feel really light. I mean, I was looking at that squad uh, at the weekend, and they do look a wee bit rudderless in terms of uh, in terms of experience, in terms of uh, players that you think right. Well, who who can get out of the opposition? Who is going to lead this team? Kevin Smith, aye, but he is like very much the wrong side of thirty. And other than that, it feels like they're struggling. Yeah, no, I I I I I agree with all that, Sean. I agree with all that. I think that it's it's not been a it's not been the best start to the the campaign for them at all. I suppose if you if you think we're gonna go a formation that, that involves two strikers, you've got a guy, Ryan Wallace, who player I've always liked, thinking you're smashing player, Mark McGuigan. I I I I'd, I'd like the guy to move in with me. You know that that's how high, that's how, how much uh, how much I like Mark McGuigan. And, and for, for for the pair of them to to leave the club within, but well, Mark McGuigan was there for ten days before deciding to do a a PhD, and and Ryan Wallace just a handful of games into the season before before he left to spend more time with his family. So yeah, disruptive start. But in terms of leadership, you're, you're right. It's interesting that. I'm looking at the players that they've got on the pitch and I'm thinking guys like, I can talk about guys that, that played for Stenhouse Muir that I've seen, guys like Kieran Miller return to the club from East, from, from Stranraer. And, and Miller is, in terms of as a ball-winning midfield, I think Miller's one of the best in the lower leagues. I think the guy's a smashing player, but he's a quiet player, very quiet player. Ross Dunlop is a, is a really good defender. He's a, a good ball-playing defender, someone who's really good at carrying the ball out, the, out of the middle of the park, someone who can progress the ball forward. Quiet guy, though. Very, very, very quiet guy. And, and personality is a big thing. And I think that when you lose five goals in one game from set pieces, I think that that, that becomes a problem. And, and, and I think we saw that, as you said there, five goals that were broadly similar in, in their execution and their, so their conception and their execution. You've got to say, what's going on here? Why is no one taking responsibility here? There are some big guys in that Dumbarton team. I mean, you look at the two centre-backs, Ryan McGeever, Greg Buchanan, the two, Calvin Orsi's a bit of a big lump as well. Guys that you would say the, the, the biggest threats, but for that first goal... Sorry, for the second goal, I talk about the first goal shortly, the fact that you allow Greg Buchanan to be unmarked inside the middle of the penalty box, that's a real failure of communication and, and organisation. And that's... Who, who's, who takes responsibility for that? Whose fault is that? I mean, I, I suppose one of the most damning things is I look at I look at Dumbarton's stand 11 and I look at East Five stand 11 and I don't necessarily think... It, Dumbarton's stand 11 is, is that much better than East Fives? No, no. 
However, they, they, they still had that they still had that five goal margin of victory, and I, I mean, I and you could argue, well, there wasn't much between the teams other than those five set pieces. <laughs> but, but but you still have to defend set pieces. Yes, if you're not going to defend set pieces, then you're probably going to get humped every single week. And the only thing, the only positive you can say from a nice five perspective is that they the week previously they looked much better than Peterhead. Because I did think, in terms of who East Fife lost over the summer, and especially laterally, uh, in terms of McGuigan and Wallace and the goalkeepers and Agnew, I did think they might be one of a, a, a kind of clutchy teams who would be at the bottom of the table. Maybe along with uh, Peterhead, I did wonder about Dumbarton. You, you always suspect that Clyde will struggle, yeah. uh, but but David Goodwillie is, is obviously there, they're kind of leading light. But I, I would be amazed... L- on the evidence of this season, with the exception of Peter Heard game, uh, if, if East Fife weren't in those kind of bottom three positions come the end of the season, I, I do think they've got a, a fight on their hands, which they, like Dan Young, hasn't been in that position as, as East Fife manager. They've, they've generally been there or thereabouts oh, in terms of qualifying right. for the playoffs. That's interesting. I always find that as well about the. I think I've, I've said this before in this podcast, but the mindset of a, of a player, I, I've always been fascinated by this. If you join a club, and you'd expected, well, certainly I expected East Fife to be too good for too good for relegation, but perhaps not quite good enough to get into the the the, the playoff places because I think there's the 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 number of good sides throughout League One to sign for a club and and to be suckered into a relegation battle. What that must be like. I, I find that 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 very in, that very interesting. I wonder how the wonder how the players are reacting to it. I wonder how the managers reacting to it. But interestingly, going back to a point you made there, Sean, about the the goalkeepers, because Brett Long was was released from the club. He he wasn't he he wasn't like given a contract and rejected it. He was actually said thanks for your time, all the best. See you later. And they've replaced him with Scott Gallagher. And I think Gallagher had been at our broth last season. Am I right in saying that he was our broth number? So I I think the only time I I think the only time I remember watching them was uh, was it Aloha or Dumbarton where he had a spell as a number one but in in general and to be fair I've no checked but I think in general his his career has been a a, a backup mm-hmm. and there's presumably a reason for that. Well, you saw that the the first goal there. It's uh, I think it's Ryan McGeever as a header it comes into the box. The ball looks like it's going wide. The commentator even says, yeah. I think that's going wide. But he dives for it and, and palms it right into the path of, of Ross McLean for a for a very simple finish. And it seems to be that he completely misjudges his positioning and his angles to, to think that a ball that's going out is in fact, no, it's, that's going into the net. And then just gently serves it up in a silver solver to uh, Ross McLean to prod into the net. It looks like it's going approximately three yards wide. <laughs> <laughs> the expression "if in doubt," you know, I perhaps not heard that. But they had the chance to. I think that this is this is something the chance to come back into the match almost immediately from it was a very very well taken free kick from Scott Mercer that hit the top of the crossbar. But going by the highlights in East Five TV, I think that was the only chance that East Five had in the game. Yeah. Ah, and it was, uh, I, mean, I mean, don't get me wrong, it was brief highlights, but judging by those, I, I often think if a club puts up brief highlights, they probably haven't done very well. Uh, and, and obviously, but by the scoreline, I was aware that East Fife hadn't done very well, but it, it looked like th- from a, an, an attacking uh, point of view, they, they didn't trouble Dumbarton at all. 
I, I don't know if it's, we've talked about that one goal because that was interesting that where the goalkeeper got a touch it before it went in. But I don't know if it's, it's worth talking about the other goals. I mean, the first one, we mentioned Greg Buchanan in the middle of the area gets to head in. The second one, it's a deep cross. It gets headed from Calvin Orsi back across, allowing McGeever to score. The the third one, sorry, the third one is uh, Greg Buchanan jumps in about shin high if <laughs> scores a diving header and the fifth one it's actually very difficult to tell what happens I think it's a Joe McKee cross and Owen Stokes gets the the, the, the corner scores scores from the corner difficult to tell because at that point the camera is very very shaky like the he's almost about putting away his equipment and so he says no listen there's, there's 15 minutes of the game still to, still to be filmed and it's suddenly brought back out and it weeks round and yeah but and, and famous it was exactly the same as all the other goals yes I, I I honestly don't know I've never seen a team lose five goals from set pieces in one game ah, it's strange and and very much points to uh, a, a deeper malaise uh, East Five and whether Dan Young can, can turn it around uh, who knows? But I suppose moving away from East Fife, like Dan Young has been regarded as somebody who has been linked with jobs like higher up the food chain than, than East Fife. And you wonder if, well, it very much will be. I mean, if East Fife are, are struggling a season, if East Fife end up uh, relegated, if they end up uh, kind of being behind everybody else and, and really struggling this term. You wonder how much that's going to affect him from a kind of managerial point of view because he has been somebody who is generally linked with jobs. However, if East Fife become detached or a, a toil in a the season, then you kind of suspect that that won't be the case any longer. No, I, 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 I think that uh, yeah, I just uh, just agree. With you. Yes, I, I think that's the case. I, when I saw his name again, just uh, some Mark and Pine Bovril talking about the Air United job, I, I thought that. Mm, Really, I'm not. A couple sure. of seasons ago, you would have went yes, but now you're like nah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it says it's always a time. I think that he might have applied for the Partick Thistle job after Gary Caldwell left when it went to Ian McCall. I think I think he was interviewed for that. I might be wrong, but it's a very fleeting moment. You've all I always think you move when you're on top because the opportunities don't necessarily come around that often. I'm not sure if we'll if he'll have the opportunity. Uh, come again, but but when we spent a lot of time talking about East Fife, it'd be very remiss not to talk about Dumbarton because they, I suppose they scored five goals. So you so you do have to talk about it. And I've got to say, fair play to them because I watched Dumbarton last season. Perhaps outside of Stennis, they were the team in the SPFL that I saw the most of, and and they were heinous. They should have been tried under the Geneva Convention because they were absolutely horrible to watch. They were just, they were a really, really nasty team. A really, really nasty side. And it's interesting, since Jim Duffy's left, they just seem a lot better. I saw comments on, on Pine Ball from Fraser Clark, an associate of this show, someone who you and I have recorded a podcast with, although it didn't help that, I mean, when we do these podcasts, Fraser, if you're listening, just FYI, when we do these podcasts, when it gets to about the second hour, that's when it really starts to kick off. So don't check your phone for your girlfriend hassling you. Because when it gets to the witching hour, that's when the real good stuff happens. And that's when that, that is so, so yeah, if you're going to record a podcast again, be prepared for, for a deep dive. But see him say that it's great to watch them Barton again and it's great to write about them and report about them. That's great because football should be fun. 
And after the season that he had last year where they stayed up by the skin of their teeth courtesy of the playoffs, that's no fun for anyone. Not fun for the players, not fun for the, the supporters. So to go on a Saturday afternoon and watch your team and watch them play well, I mean, that's Dumbarton inexplicably in third place. That's great. That's what football should be about. You should go away. We'll go on a Saturday afternoon and have a great time, not be tuned into a stream and think, my goodness, I could have given that £10 to UNICEF rather than watching this. Because that's certainly how I felt watching Dumbarton last year. I think they've uh, I, I think they've had a clearing of the decks. I think they've cleared their squad. I think uh, I, I, I think Stevie Farrell coming in has has kind of rejuvenated them to a degree. I, I still think that they are better than the sum of their parts. Mm. Like I, I think I think Sam Ramsbottom is. Uh, I mean, bear in mind that that goal they conceded last year, but I, I, I actually think he's a, a decent keeper. For yeah. League One, and I think in Gregor Buchanan and Ryan McGeever, they have as good a centre half pairing as you're going to get at League One level. And mm-hmm. I do think that gives them, a, I think it gives them a basis yes. between the build yeah. on. And I think from that point, it is, it is difficult to break them down. So see the week before when they, or maybe two weeks before actually, where they played uh, Montrose. So they looked the better team up at Montrose for that first 45 minutes, and then for the second 45, they. They, they sat a bit deep and they invited Montrose onto them and Montrose could arguably say that they were a wee bit lucky not to get back into the game but in fairness in Buchanan and McGeever and Ramsbottom they have a decent defensive trio there mm-hmm. and that allows everybody else to play do I suspect that Dumbarton are going to finish in the top four this season? No because Gregor oh. Buchanan is they going to score every single week <laughs> which is probably what you're reliant on when you have Calvin Orsi as your lone striker <laughs> but you've got to say though that they're doing well I mean they've, they've beaten Clyde they've beaten East Fife they've beaten oh, there's another team they've beaten Montrose Montrose, Montrose. Montrose perhaps to, to a lesser extent but they're beating sides around them that you would expected them at the beginning of the season to be duking out with at the bottom of the table and all they, they, they've perhaps had a bit of a, a favourable run of, of results because they haven't played I think they're playing Falkirk uh, at the weekend actually but they, they you know they, 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 they're they running form yeah they've, they've got Aloha coming up Queen's Park coming up so it's a bit, a bit trickier for them but all I mean if you're if you're beating the sides that you're expected to be down at the bottom of the table with that's pretty good going then I mean I mean based on what I've seen so far this season I, I actually don't expect Dumbarton to be in much trouble at, at, at the bottom of the table, which is a considerable improvement <laughs> based on last season. Bear in mind, there was a point last season where we considered Dumbarton to be an absolute joke club and we wouldn't have been surprised. I'm sure we've went on record here to say we wouldn't have been surprised if they'd been a team that was kicking around the bottom of League Two, never mind the bottom of League One in the, in the kind of seasons to come. But they've, 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 they've turned that around and fair play to them. Definitely, completely agree with you. And before we move on, Sean, I just want to say uh, a quick word about uh, Sam Wardrop, who was, until earlier in the week, at Airdrieonians. He is taking a step away from football. He has stopped enjoying it, effectively. And he wants to concentrate more on coaching and doing videos on YouTube and TikTok and Instagram, something that he enjoys doing. And I think it's it's... It's interesting to, to, to see that, that someone come out and just say, I'm not enjoying this anymore. I need to take take a break. He might come back into football. I mean, he's only, I think he's only 24. Yeah, he's young. 
Yeah, he's young, young boy. He's, he's a, a a fit boy, and he obviously looks looks after himself. Um, so effectively, just just wish him all the best. You know, if, if do, you know, a lot of people got in touch. I saw on, on social media just say, "Do what makes you happy," and if it's that's the sort of stuff that that you enjoy doing, then then then, then fair play to him. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I suppose it's sometimes it's easier said than done to try and step away from something that that isn't making you or that is making you unhappy. I mm-hmm. suppose, uh, but he seems to be able to do that, and and I fair play to him, and hopefully. Uh, It'd be good. Hopefully, he finds something that that does make him happy. And if if he does come back into football, then then fair play because he was a he's a decent player. Yeah, definitely. I saw a comment from from Greg Spence that that, that said that he had effectively gone into almost semi retirement from football. He is now playing for his local team. I think it's in Inverkeithing Swifts. You may need to correct. All right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because because after he left Stenhouse Muir. That there'd be nothing of him. I think that he very quietly just signed for his local team, dropping down quite a level. I think Pat Scullion's playing with him. If I can tell by the exchanges on Twitter, Pat Scullion's playing for him. But he said it's completely like rejuvenated his love of football. Like just I mean, playing I, for. I, his, I, I suppose there is a lot to be said for just playing football with your pals and yeah, no having to worry about what people are saying about online afterwards or match reports or, or whatever. There's a lot to be said for just enjoying your football. And if Greg Spence has found that, then then, then great. And hopefully Sam Wardrop's exactly the same. Yeah, definitely. Good luck to Sam Wardrop. And I hope to maybe at some point see him kicking a ball again. And if not, that's, <laughs> I don't know what I mean by that. Just be happy. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Just enjoy yourself. Just have a laugh. And if that's uh, making videos on TikTok and doing coaching, then crack on, man. So I wish you all the best. We're going to drop into League Two, Sean, for our final game of this discussion, where we're going to be looking at a team who last time we spoke about, we made fun of. Yes. We're not laughing. And, and, right, and to be fair, rightly so. Rightly, rightly so. so after their defensive performance, but no, nobody's laughing now. We are laughing out the other side of our faces. We're talking about Sterling Albion, who beat... Four for Athletic, 1-0. It was a late goal from Dylan Bikey. Uh, very well-taken finish, actually, uh, to, to, um, to, to, to win the game at Fourth Bank against the, the Loons. We spoke about them last day. They've been thumped off Annan Athletic. They were dreadful in their performance at, at Gallibank. Since then, they've won three matches and they find themselves in third place with 12 points. Fair play to Stirling Albion. Ah, I fair play. I, I still... They've absolutely turned the season around. I, I suppose we commented on whether there would be uh, pressure on Kevin Vukovic, but, but there probably would have been uh, at the time. Albeit it was it was very early in the season. Based on based on Saturday's game, I mean, I mean, I think Forfar. I think Forfar have got a good squad. I, I just think Forfar have got a better squad than than Stirling Albion on on paper. I still don't see either of them being able to to, to challenge Kelty. No, I, I think they'll be. I think they'll be a, a long way away from uh, uh, from from Kelty in terms of winning the league. However, I, as you said a few weeks ago, we we wondered if Stirling were going to be anywhere near the, the promotion playoffs. Based on what we saw at the weekend, they looked every bit as good as Forfar, who who I rate, and and maybe they won't be far away come the tail end of the season. It was, I mean, I, I think Mark McCallum. Had a very good game, especially in the first half. Stirling Albion could have been two or three to the good uh, at, at half time. Then Blair Curry had a very good save uh, in, in the second half. Which yeah. I, I, was it? Craig Slater or Jamie Ness? Craig Thompson. Was it? Was it Craig Thompson that, that had the chance? I mean, it was. I, I, I think we we might disagree on this, 
whether whether it could be a good save and a bad miss at the same time. So I, I, I think it can be. You, I, I think you're of the opinion it can't be. No, no, no. I could I just because I was, I was uh, for, for, for full disclosure. Sometimes when we're on the terrace podcast WhatsApp group chat, we disagree with each other. Like Ryan Porteous, for instance, I think the guy will be captain in Edinburgh City to the Lowland League title in in twenty twenty six. Some people think he'll be playing for for Manchester United. You know, there really is no in between with, with with Ryan Porges, and we disagreed. For instance, we were talking about it was a Hearts Hibs game at the weekend. It was Gary Mackay Stephen uh, had the shot that Matt Macy saved. I actually thought that was if that had gone in, I would have been surprised. I was expecting Matt Macy to make that save. With this one, however, I am putting this. You know, it's something actually, Sean. I I a good thing with this. And I want to praise Sterling Albion's highlights for this because the, the, the package is excellent. I mean, it takes two minutes to get into this. Oh, you know something? I was just about to say that. It takes, it takes a long time to get into it. No need for, for it to be two minutes long before the highlights start. However, once it gets going, the use of slow motion, the use of reverse angles is absolutely fantastic. And that, I think, actually put into context that this is actually a really good save from Blair Curry. I think that Thompson perhaps finds himself in a position that you know, Thompson's a wide player. He's not He's not a sort of player that's going to go one-on-one with a goalkeeper. And I think that he perhaps opened up his body a bit better and could have placed the shot further uh, further to Blair Curry's right. However, the the, the way that, that Curry opens up his body and stretches himself out there and allows the, 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 the block, I thought that was really impressive. I, I put this as a, a bit of both. More good goalkeeping than a bad miss. All right, okay. So, so, so you would agree that potentially you can have both, a bad miss and a good save? I, I, I don't. The only thing I think black and white is about Ryan Porteous's prospects <laughs> as, a, as a football player. The rest of I, there, there, are, there are millions of shades of grey. That is the only issue in my life that I can talk about in black and absolutes. Everything else, there is a, there's a little degrees there. But no, Ryan Porteous playing for Edinburgh City to the, and captain into the Lone League title in 2026. Pitch black and bright white. I have a, from, from a Sterling Albion point of view, if this is if this is a forfeit of the best of the rest, and I, in, in my opinion, they, they might be, then Sterling Albion absolutely matched them and, and, and very much got the better of them. So, I uh, hugely encouraging from a from a from a Bino's perspective. Definitely, I think one player that I wanted to highlight from from Sterling Albion's perspective is Jack Leach, and this is a player I've I've, I've liked Jack Leach for for since he was at Peterhead. I think you're a smashing player. He's the sort of guy that you, you don't tend to get a lot in the, the lower league. Someone who can carry the ball, like is a good dribbler and can, can take the team up the park and someone who's a good passer. And I think that, that Jack Leach is able to do both. I think that he's, he's very effective in the final third. And I think when you watch the highlights back there, anything good that Sterling Albion were involved in, Jack Leach really was was at the centre of. And, and to be honest, I'm surprised that he's, he's playing at that level. I think he is capable of playing one level higher. But no, a player that I, I really, really like, and, and I suppose would be remiss not to talk about Dylan Bikey, who scored the winning goal. Bikey is very, very popular among Sterling Albion sports. I'm not sure... I'm not sure how or why he found himself at Fourth Bank a, a couple of years ago, but nevertheless, he didn't. He, he was a, a very exciting player, you know, someone who was unpredictable, someone who could score goals, someone who the fans really, really identified with. 
And and you don't tend to get that a lot but the, the further down the food chain you go. And Bikey, of course, moved to Hart of Midlothian. He was a tug of war between Hearts and Hibs. Both wanted to <laughs> sign him. He chose to go to Hearts. And there's a very funny one, one of the, 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 the few times the Terrace Twitter account has been funny was when <laughs> they had a picture of it. It's from the 2001 uh, episode of WCW Nitro when it was when WCW was sold to WWE and it was Shane McMahon and then the kayfabe storyline Shane McMahon bought it over and Vince McMahon's face just his eyes terrified look in his face his, his neck bent back very very funny um, and, and that was of course that was uh, Rod Petrie when he found out that Dylan Bikey had chosen to go to Tynecastle instead of Easter Road very very funny stuff. I really lost the hips a real loss to Hibs and a massive boon to Hearts. I think that through Hearts' recent golden period, Dylan Bikey was certainly central <laughs> to all the good stuff that happened at Hearts during that period. But of course, Bikey's back at, at Fourth Bank and I think that he's... I'm not sure how good a player he is, to be honest. I think that, that he, people really like him off the back of that first spell with the club. But he, to me, he seems to flatter to deceive. And I think that he's now become a bit of an, an impact substitute for him. Certainly made a very positive impact in, in this performance because he came on late on. And, and I think, judging by the comments in Pine Ball, really seemed to swing the game in still in Albion's favour. The finish as well for the goal was really good. It's a corner kick. I'm not sure who it's headed in by. I think it's one of the big lump defenders they've got. And just as the ball seems to be going to Mark McCallum, he just sort of very, like, three ninjas, acrobatic karate kick, hooks it beyond them and, and into the net. So, yeah, I'm not sure how good a player he is, but certainly a very popular one and somebody who made a, a, a crucial impact in this match. I, 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 think he's, I, I think he's mobile and he's unpredictable and he's more than good enough for League Two, whether he's good enough for the, the, the kind of step up. I, I'm not so sure. But then when, I suppose, their other option up front, I mean, bear in mind, they lost Andy Ryan. Of course. In the summer. So, so they are, presumably their plan A was uh, Andy Ryan to, to play for them the, uh, uh, this season. And Ryan has actually been pretty good. And there is, there's yeah. not been a lot of positives for Hamilton uh, this season. Andy Ryan has been one of them. He's been... He's actually been far better than, than probably I, I, I thought he was even capable of. So that's a massive loss for, for Southern Albion. And I think, bear in mind that there are other forwards, Dylan Mackin, who is maybe more immobile and, and they, they, maybe, they, they maybe play it more direct to him. I, I do think that Bikey is a, a better option than him up top if that's the route they want to go down. Yeah, definitely. It was Andy Ryan and 10 other cunts. Now it's just 11 cunts. Uh, but I've got to say, Dale Carrick's credit to Dale Carrick. He had a really good effort, forced a really good save from McCallum early doors. And, and, and credit to Mackin as well. It was a ball that was sort of chipped out to the left-hand side and um, Carrick hits the thing in the half volley and forces uh, McCallum to make a really good save at his, uh, his, his, his near post. But yeah, well, this actually looked like quite, it was quite a good game of football. I mean, there's Craig Slater hitting the post after from 25 yards early doors. And it's good to see Slater uh, back playing football. I know he'd been, when he was at Queen's Park, he'd been out for a long time, but obviously a, a quality player. And it's only injuries that have really sort of kept him down at that level. Mentioned Craig Thompson's effort on, on Blair Curry. Yeah, it looked as though it had, it had a lot going on with it. Um, well, we talked about Sterling Albain's good form, you know, winning three in the bounce. A wee bit concerned about four for Athletic because, you know, they had a really good start to the season, winning two games in the bounce. They're also the first team to take points 
of Kelty Hearts, but that's three draws and a defeat. It, it the- feels like... I, I mean, I, I'm not saying there's any pressure on Gary Irvin, far, far from it, but it feels like Forfar have, have, have names for League Two in terms of we know Matt Aitken is a, is a, is a good forward for this mm-hmm. level. Uh, Grant Anderson came in at the weekend. I like Grant Anderson, but how much life he has left at this level, I'm not so sure. However, they've got Craig Slater, they've brought in Jamie Ness. We've already mentioned Craig uh, Thompson. Stephen Anderson, yes, as much as he has, has had a number of injuries, I think he's more than capable at this level. We know Michael uh, Travis is a decent centre-half. Yeah, McCallum as well. Great seeing him back playing. And, and Mark McCallum, we know, is a, is a fantastic goalkeeper. So as much as we suspect that Kelty will run away with this league, I still think that's a decent start in 11 for Forfar. And if they if they don't manage to kind of get back on the rails, then I some people might start asking questions of, of, of Gary Irvin. However, what I would say was, I think on another day, on another day, Forfar might have won this game. They, they had chances that we've already mentioned, but still they were reliant on McCallum in that, in that first period. See, can I bring this conversation full circle to what we discussed right at the start? Yes. One of my all-time favourite Stennis Muir players is... Ross Meakin. Ross Meakin. Ross Meakin captains... Forfra Athletic. Who recommended the company that's coming to fit my flooring a week today? Ross Meakin. I'd like to thank Sean for joining me on this podcast. No, no, that's exactly who it is. That's exactly that's you're, you're exactly right. The company that Ross Meakin recommended to to fit fitted his flooring are coming to fit mine on Thursday and Friday next week, and I can't wait. So I'll still be sitting on the floor like a big fucking jobber, but at least at least it'll look half decent. So small mercies. You know something, if that isn't a, if that isn't a, a kind of vote of confidence in, in floor fitting, then I don't know what is. Yeah, I, I think, Sean, that's, I think that's been a good podcast. I think that's, what, 80 minutes worth of, of conversation? Yeah, of, of, of some good chat. I imagine this will be going out on for free. Yeah, this, this is the, the idea. They'll do this. They'll, they'll stick the one. They had one with Craig Anderson. Craig Fowler was talking about eating a curry uh, first thing in the morning. I found that I found that remarkable. But then I remember, no, this is Craig Fowler. I thought that's that's fairly... That's that's that, that that's nothing. That, nothing. Nothing is remarkable for that man. Yes, I. He's uh He's a, a real one to himself. So I. That was that was the the main podcast, the the Premiership one, and this is the this is the Jobber podcast. So yeah, this this will this will be free. I'm looking looking forward to getting back into the movie podcast. I did one last week with Andy Harrow and Duncan Mackay. So I've really enjoyed doing what, those. What did you watch? Zero Dark Thirty. Oh yeah, I, that's uh. I, I mean, it's a good film. It's a long film. Yes, that was my first thing I said. Thanks very much, Duncan. Ideally, you want movies that are about 80 minutes long. Children's ah. movies, really. You know, for people with low attention spans. Those are the sort of things that you want. So you can just make those films that you've seen several times before. That's it. Films you've seen several times before that are about 72 minutes long. That's that's the per- that's that's what you want. Perfect. You do not want a, a complex thriller about that that charts the the war on terror. Um, it's like Duncan, please. Why you pick it? And he's like, oh well, I didn't realise the time till I actually had chosen the film. <laughs> and it's like, well, it's, it's it's too late now. But nevertheless, I think uh, the I'm sure it's a good podcast. Uh, nevertheless, I'm sure it's a good podcast. Did you listen to it? No, no, I'll get to it though eventually. You won't listen to it. <laughs> Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, that's a very sour note to finish the podcast on, the, the lack of support from, from Sean McGuigan. But nevertheless, but while Sean McGuigan won't support me, 
do. Because please uh, keep on subscribing to the Patreon. It means uh, a lot to us. There's tons of stuff that's going on at the moment. You've got the, the, the football chat on the Patreon. There's also the launch of Review from the Terrace. That, that's all sorts of stuff to do with pop culture. Um, still game I've never laughed once at still game but I'm sure people at home find it funny peep show that is good um, and and stuff to do with books and shit so yeah um, plenty there plenty there for, for for everyone so if you if you find us talking about football worth your while then why not listen to us talking about the telly books books and shit Book, books and shit yeah uh, we're just we're just rambling now, Sean. I think it's I think it's important that we uh, that we wrap it up. So, I want to thank you very much for your time. I want to shout out to our sponsors, Mangrate, uh, and I, uh, Sean. Thank you very much. No, thank you. Thank you, and take care and enjoy your football. Sports Social Podcast Network.